He's the only one we flee to. Good to be here this morning. Open your Bibles, if you would. We'll do three readings. First reading will be in Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. The name of the message is Glad Tidings for Sinners. Glad Tidings for Sinners. Hebrews chapter 1. We'll read verses 1 to 4. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. All God has to say to us, he says to us, as Brother Mahan used to say, in his Son. In his Son. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Our Lord is the Creator, who being the brightness of his image and the express image of his person, and upholdeth all things by the word of his power. And note there again we see the absolute supremacy and sovereignty of our great God, because he is the one who upholds all things by how? By the word of his power. <laughs> by the word of his power, beloved. Look at this, though. This is marvelous. When he had by himself, that's Christ and Christ alone on Calvary's cross, purged our sins. They're gone. <laughs> They're gone, beloved. Sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. He's ruling right now. Sat down on the right hand of the Father being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they all. Now turn, if you would, to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. And we'll read these words written in the Old Testament, by Isaiah. Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath set me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Now, if you would, turn to Luke chapter 4. Now, those words spoken there by God's true prophet, Isaiah, have been fulfilled and are being fulfilled and will continue as as Brother Henry had said, will continue to be fulfilled until the last sheep who was purchased by the 
blood of Christ is delivered from the prison house of sin. And that's what we were in. When God came to us, when Christ was revealed to us, we who are his born-again people, we were in the prison house of sin. And we had no way to get out. No way to get out. But God's blood-bought people are being purchased by the precious blood of Christ. And it is he who delivers us from the prison house of sin. He who is the exalted, glorified God-man, who is seated on the sovereign throne of power, working all things after the counsel of his own will. If you are saved, blood-bought, born-again believer in Christ, it is because God willed to save you. Because it pleased him to do so. That's pretty overwhelming for us, isn't it? That's pretty overwhelming for us. Look at Luke here in Luke chapter 4. We're starting verse 16. The scriptures declare. And he came to Nazareth where he had been bought up. And as custom, his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. He came to Nazareth after some length of time after he had gone through Galilee and he was known by reputation and by his ministry and by his miracles and he came to the place where he'd been bought up. He came to this place, beloved, by God's appointment. And not a second too soon and not a second too late. All by the appointment of God to be there in the synagogue on that specific Sabbath day, and to read the scriptures. Now remember who this is. Remember who this is. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of God incarnate. This is the one who gave the word to the Israelites. This is he who is spoken of all through the Old Testament. And he is going to read the writings of Isaiah. And the Jews have absolutely no idea who he is. They just think he's a man. They just think he's a man. They have no idea that he's God incarnate in the flesh. It says in verse 17 and 18, And there was delivered a book unto him, the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And remember this from our reading. We're going to go back to Isaiah 61. That's where we'll be. But look at this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. And remember who's saying this, too. This is wonderful. This is God. This is the Lamb of God who's reading this now. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, in recovering of sight to the blind, 
to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is anointed of the Holy Spirit of God. He's filled with the Holy Spirit of God to preach the gospel to the poor. That's what it says right there, to the poor. To those who are bound up in the prison house of sin. To those who need deliverance. To those who need deliverance. He's to give sight to those who are blind spiritually to the things of God. And he does that, doesn't he, when we're born again. Gives his eyes to see him when we never saw him before. And oh, does he set us free, beloved. We who are his blood-bought people. And remember we read this in Isaiah 61. Now the acceptable year of the Lord is the time which was fixed for the redemption of God's people. When Christ Jesus died upon the cross to redeem his people from their sins, and his sacrifice was a time acceptable to the Lord, beloved. As the sufferings of Christ were, what were the sufferings of Christ? All according to God's will, wasn't it? All according to God's purpose. And Christ's sacrifice of himself, offering himself up for the sins of his people, was a, a sweet-smelling savor to God. And then the believer is clothed in the perfect righteousness of Christ. And God is well pleased with we who are in him. And he died as an atonement for the sins of his people. The absolute, perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God, the Holy One, died for unholy, ungodly sinners. Oh, my. And he satisfied God's law and justice fully in the place of his people. And this salvation, this salvation in Christ is accomplished, fully accomplished. It's absolutely complete. Because the one who did it is God. Again, that which is impossible for us is possible with God. Eh? And the believer stands in awe and wonder knowing that I am totally forgiven in Christ. Undeserving of such mercy and grace. And look what our Lord says in verse 20 and he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Now notice here, they all, they all looked very attentively to see what he would say. They knew that this passage of Scripture referred to the Messiah. And it is likely that some of them had heard that Christ was said to be the Messiah. And now look at what our Master tells them. He began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. 
He's going to apply these words to himself because he is the Messiah. He is the sent one of God. And he says, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. He is proclaiming that he is the person spoken of in Isaiah, beloved. That the Spirit of God is upon him. And that he is anointed with the Holy Ghost. And that he now preaches glad tidings to them. Turn back, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 61. He's proclaiming, you know what he's proclaiming? He's proclaiming that the scripture has its full accomplishment in him. He's proclaiming himself as the Messiah. He's proclaiming himself as the only Savior of sinners. The only one. Look again in Isaiah 61. We'll read verses 1 to 3 again. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach glad tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And this again is this speaking of Christ and Christ alone to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and that he may, might be glorified. May we who are the people of God leave here today rejoicing in the truth that's set before us here. And again, may God be glorified and magnified through the preaching of his word. The scripture there declares that we who are God's people are called trees of righteousness. And note we're the planting of the Lord. Because it's his work. We're his workmanship, beloved. Created in Christ Jesus. And those trees of righteousness only refers to those who have experienced the miracle of the new birth, those who are the planting of the Lord. And, and why is this all be done? Well, the verse closes with this in verse 3. That he might be glorified. And does not God's people We'll look through some things today, and I think that you agree that we're going to give him all the glory for what he's done. Look at verse 61 here. We see our first point in our text, or verse 1 in, in chapter 61, I'm sorry, and how it speaks of the Messiah. <coughs> look at this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Now we know from our reading in the book of Luke that God's prophet Isaiah was referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Not only because all the prophets wrote of him, because, but also because our Lord said it was so in Luke chapter 4, verse 21, didn't he? The Spirit of God was upon the Lord Jesus Christ without measure. Without measure. And then Isaiah continues and says, The Lord hath anointed me to preach glad tidings unto the meek. Glad tidings. And our Lord, when he read the text that we looked at in Luke, he he proclaimed it was he who was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. To the poor. Our Lord Jesus, our blessed Redeemer, was anointed to preach his gospel. God the Father who sent him to this earth to do his will. And in part, it was the will of God for his anointed son to preach the gospel, and so he did. And let us always remember that Christ came here, what? To do the Father's will, didn't he? That's why he came here, to do the Father's will. And we see that part of God's will for Christ was him to preach the gospel, to preach the gospel to the poor. And so he did. Now, was his preaching successful? Absolutely. Now, the poor there doesn't mean the poor struck in poverty, although some of his people are struck in poverty. Eh? It means the poor in spirit. That's what it means. And our Lord's preaching is successful always, isn't it? Because he's God Almighty. He cannot fail. Now, we might set out to do things and fail. <laughs> we try again, don't we, sometimes? Or sometimes we don't. We go on to other things sometimes. But he never fails. beloved. No matter what he does, he never fails. He never fails. Ever. Ever. And even the, from the lips of our master, the gospel had to be made effectual by the life-giving power of God, the Holy Spirit. Turn, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. And look at this. And is this not true for every born-again, blood-bought believer? The word of God comes to us, what? In power, doesn't it? It comes in power. Therefore, a while before the Lord saved me, when I heard the gospel or when I read the Bible, it was just words. I've talked to a couple brothers here about how I read the Bible, and, and one, too, who did before... He was saved too. And, and the words of the Bible were just words to us. There was no power there. But after the Lord saved us, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's a whole different book. There's power. Words come to us with power then. Look at this in First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. For our gospel came not, in, not unto you in word only. Right? We didn't just we didn't just hear the words. Well, we heard them, but not just hear them. But look at this. They came in power. The Holy Ghost made them effectual, beloved. He made them effectual. We really heard the shepherd's voice. They came to us in power. In what? And in much assurance. Oh, I'm saved. I'm redeemed in Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
as you know what manner of man we were among you for your sake. So our master said these words over in John chapter 6, verse 63, said it is the spirit that quickeneth. So we're born again of the spirit. We're not born again by, by something we do. No, we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit of God. So his words had power, beloved. Power. And he says that in John chapter 6, verse 63, if you want to make note of that. Christ must be revealed to us. He must be revealed to us. The word of God must come to us in power. Or else we just hear words. It's like preachers always say. We say, if my words are the only words you hear, then then uh, uh, we pray that God the Holy Spirit will make those words effectual for you from the Scripture. And he'll show you who, who Christ is and who, that God will reveal himself to you. That's our hope. Oh, that's our hope. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Christ must be revealed to us. And it's the Father's will that Christ be revealed to all those whom he gave to Christ in eternity. And it is the Holy Spirit of God who regenerates us we're born again by him, and he reveals Christ to us. And so the Father chose us in eternity, Christ redeemed us, and the Holy Spirit regenerates us. Look at that. The whole Trinity is in action in our salvation, beloved. They're active. <laughs> the whole Trinity is active in the salvation of a sinner. Isn't that wonderful? The Father chose us in Christ in eternity. If he didn't choose us, we'd never be in Christ, would we? Christ redeemed us. If Christ hadn't redeemed us, we'd never be saved. And the Holy Spirit regenerates us. If God the Holy Spirit hadn't regenerated us, we'd never know Christ. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful, beloved. That is Matthew 16, verses, verses 13 to 18. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, whom do men say that, say that I am the son of the son of man am. And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, that's what other people say, right? Look at what the Lord brings it right home. But he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? I ask you the question, who do you say that Christ is? Is this not the answer of a, of a, of a blood-bought, born-again believer here? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, yeah. That's what we proclaim now, isn't it? It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon. You're blessed. Right? Why? Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church in the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Oh, my. So as one commentator said, the Savior's mission and ministry were dependent on the Spirit of God. And the Father ordained and anointed the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be our surety, our substitute, our sin offering. And our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God incarnate in the flesh, was given the Holy Spirit without measure. Without measure. May we who are God's people marvel continually that the Lord Jesus Christ came from heaven on our behalf. Came from heaven on our behalf. 
He came here to accomplish the Father's will. To speak the Father's words and to perform the Father's work. To honor his law and satisfy his justice in the believer's place. And the believer just stands in awe and wonder, don't we? He did that for me. And every believer can say that too. Every believer can say that. He did that for me. For me. So who was our Lord anointed to preach his gospel to? Well, the prophet Isaiah. Let's go back to our text. In Isaiah 61.1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. The meek. In Luke, he said, the poor. He said to preach the gospel to the poor. Christ is sent to preach the gospel to those who are poor, bankrupt sinners. And the meek here in our text has reference to those who are poor in spirit. Those who are poor in spirit. Those who have been convicted of God the Holy Spirit. As one old timer said, those who have been convicted by God the Holy Spirit to the true nature of our sinnership. And that's what we are. We're bankrupt spiritually, beloved. We're born into this world dead in trespasses and sin. Absolute bankrupt sinners. And we have no way. We have a debt of sin that we have no way of paying. We have no way of paying. No way to take care of our sin debt on our own. Now, we know that God demands perfection, doesn't he? God demands perfection. And what are we sinners there for? Everything we do, since we're sinners, everything we do misses the mark, doesn't it? Everything. In our natural state, everything we do misses the mark. Everything we have to offer our God in our natural state misses the mark. And this is true for every single son and daughter of Adam and everyone who lives on this earth because the scripture declares all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now when God, the Holy Spirit, under the preaching of his gospel, convicts his people of our hopeless, helpless, lost condition, then he has prepared us by his almighty power to receive the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel which tells us of our wonderful, merciful Savior. Which brings us to the meaning of the word gospel. Isaiah prophesies that the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ, would come to preach the good tidings unto the meek. Turn back, if you would, to Luke chapter 4. Good tidings unto the meek. Let's go back to Luke chapter 4. 
good tidings. Good tidings unto the poor, bankrupt people. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recover enough sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now think of what the word gospel means in the Greek. It's defined as this in the Greek. To bring good news, to announce glad tidings. Oh, did we not see that over in Isaiah chapter 61? Where it says, He hath anointed me to preach glad tidings unto the meek. Glad tidings. It's used in the Old Testament to speak of any kind of good news. Of joyful tidings of God's kindness, in particular of the messianic blessings. In the New Testament, it's used especially of the glad tidings of the coming of the kingdom of God and of the salvation to be obtained in and through Christ and Christ alone, which relates to the salvation. It speaks of what Christ has done for sinners for the poor, meek, bankrupt sinner. The gospel means good news. It's glad tidings, isn't it? It's glad tidings for sinners, that's for sure. It's wonderful. Now the gospel, the word gospel, the, the good news means absolutely nothing to a self-righteous religionist, does it? Doesn't mean nothing to them or an unbeliever in their natural state. They don't see their need for Christ. They don't think that their eternal destiny, they think their eternal destiny is their own, in their own hands and can be determined by their supposed free will. So the gospel is not good news for them. But for sinners, for, for those who have had revealed to them by Christ, by God the Holy Spirit, the fact that we're sinners, the gospel is good news. Oh, I pray if you don't know him that God would reveal to you your state and your sinnership and the fact that you are a sinner. And oh, that God the Holy Spirit would regenerate you and that you turn to Christ. The gospel's good news for sinners. Glad tidings. Wonderful news to the brokenhearted. Let's go back to our text in Isaiah chapter 61. It's wonderful news to the brokenhearted, to those who are prisoners to sin and, and to darkness and to Satan. Oh, this is wonderful, wonderful news to those people. Look at this in Isaiah 61 verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. The scriptures here very plainly and clearly proclaim that the Lord Jesus Christ will bind up the brokenhearted. Here, bind up the brokenhearted. Here, heal the brokenhearted. And again, I'll read what was over in Luke. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted 
to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Who then are the brokenhearted spoken of here in Isaiah? The brokenhearted are those who mourn over their sin. And our Lord Jesus Christ comes to brokenhearted sinners. We who are born again by the Holy Spirit of God. We who see our sinfulness before God. We who mourn over our sin. And God grants us faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And to trust and rest in him. In his almighty power. And the Lord Jesus Christ comes to heal his lost broken sheep. To comfort them that mourn over their sin. And what does he do? He pours in the oil of joy for their mourning, doesn't he? He's done that for us. eh? And how does the Lord Jesus Christ do this? Well, over in Hebrews, again, I'll read chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. God, who at sundry times and in divers' manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, being the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Oh, when God, the Holy Spirit, makes the preaching of the gospel effectual by his almighty power, then the Lord Jesus Christ speaks to his brokenhearted saints, revealing to them that he has taken care of their sin debt. That he has taken care of the debt that we could never pay. How? By the supreme sacrifice of himself. He hath purged our sins, beloved, by shedding his own precious blood. Hmm. Greater love hath no man than this. There's no no love that measures that, is there? Than what Christ did for his people. When a man laid down his life for his friends. Oh, and God's people have revealed to them that the perfection that God demands, the perfection that God demands and that we can never provide is found for the child of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where it's found. That's where it's found. In and through Christ alone. Oh, beloved of God, rejoice. The good news of the gospel is that our Lord Jesus Christ came to do his Father's will, to redeem his people from their sins. And you know what? He did it perfectly. He did it perfectly. Not only was his work perfect, but the Lord Jesus Christ was perfect in every way absolutely sinless, without spot and without blame, perfect in thought, perfect in deed, perfect in every action, absolutely sinless. 
That's our Savior. And his motives, beloved, his motives were perfect. Think of that too. His motives were perfect. He came to redeem his people from their sins. He came to give his life for others. And every believer says, he did that for me. Wonder of wonders. He did that for me. And his sacrifice in our place was perfect. Was perfect. All the perfection that God demands of a sinner is found in Christ. It's only found in Christ. And the believer says, Hallelujah. What a Savior. What a Savior. Think of it. What a substitute. The perfect one died in our place, beloved. The sinless one. The only one who could satisfy God's law and justice. The scripture declares, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Now the anointed day, or the appointed day, I mean, of his wrath is coming, isn't it? It's coming. John hit on something, though. And I didn't talk to him about this, and this is wonderful. He hit on this. The day of God's vengeance for his elect took place at Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago. Because God's law and justice has to be satisfied, doesn't it? It has to be. And it will be either in the sinner or in the substitute. And the day of vengeance for God's elect took place at Calvary 2,000 years ago when the wrath of God, oh, the wrath of God was poured out upon our substitute for our sin. And this is the acceptable year of the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. When Jesus Christ speaks to the heart of his chosen blood-bought children through the preaching of the word, through the preaching of the gospel or the reading of the word, what does he He preaches liberty to the captives, doesn't he? Oh, we're so free, beloved. And the opening of the prison to the ones that are bound. The Lord Jesus Christ holds all the keys in his hands. If the Son shall make you free, you're free indeed, aren't you? And our Lord Jesus Christ, it is he who must unlock the prison cell of sin that we're in. We have no way of getting out. We're shackled, beloved, bound up by our sin. He must unlock the prison door of unbelief 
And he, when he does, he gives us faith to believe on him. He gives his born-again, blood-washed people true saving faith. True saving faith. To believe his gospel. To believe who he is. To rest and embrace the glad tidings that are found in God's gospel. And always remember that if you believe, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And there's not one of us in this room who is born again of God the Holy Spirit that deserved that gift, is there? But we haven't, we who are his people. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Oh, praise God. What a great Savior. Let's read these verses again in Isaiah 61. We're almost close. The Spirit of the Lord is God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Oh, how free we are in Christ. In the opening of the prison to them that are bound, we're set free from the prison house of sin, beloved, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. To anoint or to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them the beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Notice there the oil of joy for mourning is God the Holy Spirit who causes us to rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ giving us the garment of praise for our, the, the spirit of heaviness. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Look at this, that we might be called trees of righteousness. We're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And note, though, the marvelous fact here that this is a work of the Lord. This is the work of God. Because We are the planting of the Lord. It's his work. Salvation's of the Lord. It's wonders. We look to Christ, don't we? We're made willing. But it's because he makes us willing. We're the planting of the Lord. Trees of righteousness. And we are his workmanship. Think of this in with the statement there of the planting of the Lord. I'll read this from Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace are you saved through faith, not not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. A lot of folks know those two verses, don't they? But the one following it says this, for we are his workmanship, the planting of the Lord. We're the planting, we're his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. My. And then note the last few words, the last five words here. 
The last five words in our text. In verse 3. And note here. The wondrous plan of salvation. It was all planned and purposed. Why? That God might be glorified. Look at this. That he might be glorified. My. That God the Father. That God the Son. That God the Holy Spirit might be glorified. And who do we who are the people of God give all the glory to? Our great God. Our Savior. And think of this. You know, it says there we're the planting of the Lord, right? This also speaks of God's distinguishing grace. Not everyone's the planting of the Lord. But his people are. Those whom he has chose by his sovereign decree. Wonder of wonders, beloved. Oh, what comfort these scriptures can bring us. Glory to our great Redeemer, for it is he who hath redeemed us. It's he who hath purchased us by his precious blood. And it's he who hath saved us. To him be all the glory, honor, and praise. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank thee again for the time which we can look into thy word. Oh, Lord, what... What wonder we can look in the Old Testament and then see you bring forth how the law and the prophets, they testified of thee, O Lord. You are the one. You are the only one who can heal the brokenhearted. We who mourn over our sin. You are the only Savior of sinners. And you come to poor, bankrupt sinners. Those whom the Father hath given you in eternity. You have saved us. We're born again by thy Holy Spirit. And we praise thy almighty name. May we ponder and think about these things through the week. May they bring great joy and comfort to our souls. In Jesus' name, amen.